The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, social researcher and best-selling author Shanti Felton teams up with the founder of Triple X Church, Craig Gross, to help women see the world through a man's eyes. You could be incredibly hurt and say, I don't know how you did this to me, but I know you love me, and I know you didn't mean to hurt me like this. And listen, this is incredibly hurtful. What can we do? And, and to be able to say, I need to be able to understand, you need to be able to share. Thank you so much, and we welcome you to Life Today. I'm James Robinson, Betty and I are thrilled to be with you. We've got a, a, a man and a woman who co-authored, as they have done some other books together, and they've written a lot that has helped so many people. Here's one that they have agreed to cooperate on that's important, Through a Man's Eyes, Helping Women Understand the Visual Nature of Men. <clears throat> You ever had any trouble understanding that? <laughs> I just have trouble understanding you, period. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, well said, no, well said. You don't have to make up. You don't have to make up. It's all right. We've got counselors here. We're, we're going to get help. It'll be all right. Now, here, here's the deal. The men are visual. They, they just are. And they notice beauty. And men, most of them are, you know, of course, the world's changing now. But men are normally attracted to women and uh, in an unhealthy fashion sometimes, mm -hmm. and they're misdirected. And now then we've got all of the images that come, video images uh, on the Internet. All the, You can just look up an innocent word to find something that will take you down some trail in directions you'd never want a child or anyone to go. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to be so misdirected, misguided, that you can find yourself trapped. And, and men are finding themselves trapped, and boys and, and now even girls are finding themselves trapped, and a lot of times the parents don't know what to do. Well, Shante Felden and uh, Craig Gross have come together with their unique abilities to write a book to try to help understand and deal with this issue. And they're very courageous, very compassionate and caring, or they wouldn't take it on. But I don't know of anything that I think needs to be more effectively addressed by the church than the issue of visual distraction, attraction, and being trapped oftentimes, even addicted to images and places and things that we see that we should not be trapped by. But when you're trapped, a lot of times you don't know who to talk to. And if the wife finds out what the men feel so scolded and beat up when they may need some understanding and help, which is what Shanti's done a real study of, of minds of both men and women, and men need somebody to understand, not just clobber them, because they're already kind of, especially if they're a professing Christian or know Christ, they're already on a guilt trip, and they're desperate, and they're crying out. And how do we answer it? Would you welcome Shante and Craig back to life today? Thank you. All right. I'm going to come to you, Shante, because you, you, there were some things you wanted to share, and then I think you also wanted to tell kind of a personal story of something happened to... I think your son was pretty young, so yeah. just tell us it's, about it. It's interesting. You know, it's it's easy for us as wives to hear that men are visual, and you kind of cross your arms, and you're like, well, you know, he 
could not be if he chose to, you know. <laughs> That's sort of what yeah. we as women think, I hate to say that. Um, and it's interesting, you know, in the last show we were talking about how the male brain is actually wired differently from the female brain, and that there's actually a center in the male brain that is stimulated by these sites in a way that he may not want to be stimulated, um, that it doesn't happen the same way in a female brain. And I saw this when my son was four, and I had just done that study of men in general, and just released for women only the book about men. And you know, my son was in the mall with us. We were all there as a family, and we lost him in the mall. And you know how scary you know that <laughs> feeling sure. is. And we run back through the mall, and we find him standing completely thunderstruck in front of the Victoria's <laughs> Secret window. <laughs> I mean, he was like, and he was staring at these life-size pictures mm -hmm. of the women wearing not much, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we run back, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> you know? And, um, and so, of course, we're like, buddy, you know, we're bending down and talking to him, and are you okay? You scared us. He was not listening. And he just raises his little arm, and he's like, I like those ladies. <laughs> And I'm like, I cannot believe I'm doing research on my four-year-old, but, you know. That, that was an honest, yeah. honest, well, thank you, son. You did good. Yeah, yeah. He was totally honest, and, and in my opinion, one of the worst things happened to him be to shame him. Well, here's even, guess what happened next, okay? I hope you did good. Well, I, I, thanks, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, my husband had, had talked to me about some of these things enough that when we, I'm like, Okay, you know, he's staring at these, he's not listening to us, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing research on my four-year-old, but I'm gonna go for it. And it's like, yeah, uh, they're really pretty. What do you like about those ladies? And he said, they're bare tummies. Make my tummy feel good. Mm. He's four, four, but he has a male brain. Mm -hmm. And that center in his brain was being stimulated. And that's what so many of us as moms and as women, as wives, we don't recognize that there's a biological reality here where boys and men are living in a culture that is saturated with images in public that they were only supposed to see in private with their wives. And so I thought, Okay, this has to start a lot earlier than I thought it did. What do I do? And so suddenly, you know that song, Be Careful Little Eyes, mm -hmm. What You See, mm -hmm. right? It took on a whole new meaning. And we realized we had to start now to help him learn how to navigate this culture so that when he sees those sites, okay, what do you do with that? Without shaming, mm -hmm. right? And saying, you are, you're normal, this is the way God designed you, but we're not supposed to be seeing these sites or having those thoughts or following mm -hmm. those thoughts. What do you do? And so we started a thing as a family where if one of those commercials comes on TV or whatever, that Jeff, my husband, and our son, they'll just go eyes down. And they'll just look down until I say, okay, it's, it's off. And it's interesting, now he's 12, and we don't say eyes down anymore, and he just does it. And it, I am praying and hoping that that is setting him up for choices, mm -hmm. and then the next choice, and then the next choice that gets easier and easier. That's my prayer and for him. I think him. you've addressed it appropriately to build that into him, where it's not a guilt thing, or I know they're looking to see what I'm doing, but rather, he's just learned this is better and safer. You want to jump in here, Craig, and just add to what, you, what you've observed, because been, you know, a church leader and trying to help you with your own kids. Yeah, I mean, Shanti and I both have 12-year-old uh, boys, so this is something that we can't talk about as if we're done. I mean, we're right in the, the, the heart of this uh, right now. 
And what I've learned with, especially with my son, I have a daughter who's 10, um, and we've talked to our kids, I, I talked to both of them at age seven. And my daughter, totally different reaction. Now I'm done, that's gross. Uh, <laughs> I'm eating, I'm eating, mom. And then, you know, when I tried to jump in, she, she didn't want anything to do with it. But now, um, with my son, it was just like, you know, notepad of questions, you know, as far as when we first had that, serious? you know, no, he just had a lot more questions. And I think a lot of parents are scared to address this with their kids. And, and let me just give you some encouragement. You might not have to say a lot. You know, let them lead, let them ask those questions and, and just be honest, share some values, share, share where you've maybe gone wrong and share where you've done things right. And I think what I've learned is kids will talk to you about things that you talk to them about. Kids won't talk to you about things that you don't talk to them about. And I can't tell you how many phone calls I get from other kids' parents, <laughs> and they're wondering what to do, and why they're the last ones uh, to know about this situation, uh, whether it's their kid was looking at porn, or whether this happened at school. And luckily, I mean, my, my son's only 12, but we've had enough conversations early on where I'll pick him up and he'll say, Dad, here, here's what happened. A kid." Kid brought his Instagram on his cell phone at pickup line, and he was following three hundred porn stars. I'm like, wait a second. You know, I got the kid's Instagram, called the mom, called the dad. I called a meeting at the school. You know, I'm like, hey, you guys are dealing with the wrong person here. But um, you know, just the sense of like, I'm going to take this seriously. Where every other, you know, sadly, I was talking to a lot of moms, which I was like, where are the men? And I hear the moms. Say the excuse. Well, it's kind of awkward for him to have this conversation. Shouldn't be. Once again, if you don't talk to this about this stuff with your spouse, like we talked about last episode, you won't talk about it with your kids. And then we have another generation that has parents that have kind of been out of the loop on this. And I think we can't miss those opportunities. You know, one of the things, Craig, that you have often said that I think is so wise, because this is what you do in your ministry all day, is that you have to, you can't wait for your kids to mention it. That you have to seize the windows. Mention what you mean by that, because that really helped me, honestly, when we first started working on this book. Yeah, because I think you think, um, I mean, I have a, we've got friends, my son's friends, and he's 14, and the mom um, said to me, I mean, he's not interested yet, right? Right. I was like, 14? <laughs> we live in Los Angeles. <laughs> we're not, like, we're not, you know, and, and there's very few cases where I would say, like, oh, yeah, they're not, I mean, I hear the most bizarre things from people, and I'm going, uh, and, and I fear, feel like we have a lot of fear. You know, I mean, turn on TV, there's a lot of fear of, of everything, especially in Christians. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I'm not fearful that I give my kids good information. And that if that's too early, I told both of my kids, hey, other parents might not have addressed this with their kids. So you don't have to go to school and say, I know what sex is. I know what this is. I know what this is. <laughs> but you have good information. Otherwise, they're one Google search away from miss, you know, all sorts of bad information. Misinformation. And I think that was a fear of our, with our daughter. Like, I don't think she's interested at all. Hey, there's boys in her class that are. And when those things get talked about and she gets overheard, I, if at all possible, if you can be that first uh, person that, that talks to your kid about these things rather than them finding this stuff on the internet, I think that's key. And when you have a situation like that happy, happened with Shanti and her, and her son, being aware of that, not overreacting, um, but just being aware that, hey, yeah, that is something that now I need to be mindful of yeah, for the rest of his life. You dealt with your son appropriately or you would have hurt him. You've been talking to your children appropriately. Now, in the back of the book, you have some of the questions that, that people ask. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go over several of them if you want to 
tackle one of them, you can. I suspect my husband is looking at porn, but I'm not sure. What do I do? Let me go to the next question. My husband has been regularly looking at porn, and I caught him. What do I do? And I have an idea, so keep listening, because some of you know exactly that you, you've actually asked the question. You might say, how did they get my question in the book? I didn't even know. <laughs> my son is the one who has the porn problem, not my husband. What do I do? My son has searched the words big boobs on the internet. What do I do? Now, that'll take him on a journey, won't it? Yeah. All right. Yeah, he's not talking about balloons either. Okay. <laughs> My seven-year-old accidentally saw pornographic images online. What do I do? Is there any way I can minimize the damage of those images? Let's just take some of these questions that the wife was asking, the parents were asking. Tackle them. How do you answer the wife, or how do you answer them as they not only refer to the husband but a child? Well, I think a lot of those questions, uh, first of all, if you, women, I mean, women have this crazy thing called women's intuition. I, I, I don't understand it. Uh, they're, they're right a lot more times than men are right. So if you suspect those things. Is it spiritual discernment, okay? Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just they like. They want you to know that, too. That's no, what No, that and I think for men, like, I'm not trying to scare you, but I'll scare you. Like, you, you think you've covered your tracks. She already knows. Like, and so she's writing in going, I suspect. And, and so I would say to the women, stop playing detective. <laughs> And be able, whether it's your son, whether it's your husband, all those questions, don't let those linger and don't let that go so long where you go, well, maybe, because I think we try and talk ourselves out of it. Oh, maybe it was just some, you know, the housekeeper came over and got on our computer. Or was, you always want to put it maybe on somebody else because then it's like, oh, I don't have to deal with it. But I think in all those situations, you've got you've to deal with it. Um, one suggestion, whether it's your son or whether it's your husband, how do you sit... Um, maybe side by side with them instead of face to face where you're playing investigator. Mm -hmm. You know, well, okay, at four o'clock I saw this. And when you're coming after them with all the facts, still men, I'm saying that sometimes we're not the smartest. It's like, oh no, it wasn't me. It's like, she's got all the information. There's no way you can get out of this one. But still the reaction is gonna be like, oh, no, it wasn't me. It was, and whether you're a boy or whether, I mean, you just get caught. I've tried to explain that to my, my kids so many times, you're in less trouble if you just tell the truth. But when you're feeling attacked, I think you're just gonna run. Yeah, wouldn't it be better for the woman or the parent to say, honey, are you, are you in a battle? I wanna know. Yes, and if you could do that without saying, but once again, you internalize this and, and you go, well, did I cause this? And this might be something that he brought into the relationship that he dealt with years before you were married. And it, it's this, never the woman's fault. No. I mean, it's not, no, I'm serious. No, I mean, no not on this yeah. issue. Yeah. This is, this is, I, I, this it's is his not choice. The, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's made yeah. the choice, right? Yeah. Although, yeah, right. one of the things that for, I can say, to, for me, saying to the women, and I'm just going to be really, really honest, that it is always his responsibility. It is never your fault as a woman. Mm -hmm. Because it's hurtful when you find out that your husband has been looking. I mean, I was just doing a convention over the weekend, and I had two or three women come up to me in tears saying they just found out that their husband had been addicted to pornography for years and they they don't even know how to talk I mean they're just so overwhelmingly upset but being overwhelmingly and, concerned would be the right way to be overwhelmed too and, 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 and it is understandable yeah. yeah that's understandable but here's what I always said first first of all you're in a place because he these husbands were actually addicted they weren't mm -hmm. just sure. normal visual men living in an abnormal culture okay. they, these men were, were in serious difficulty and I said look it is totally understandable that you're having this reaction. You need to get counseling for yourself as well as whatever you can 
convey to him that you expect him to get help. And that includes, as you guys were saying, not just like official counseling, which some men kind of shy away from, but he needs some male accountability. He needs somebody, he needs pastoral care to walk him through a process. But and he's going to need to feel it, safe in that well, place, too. He can't feel like I'm going to get in there and get stoned by the person who forgave to the uttermost, but also said, go and don't do it anymore. He's got to be feeling that's safe. Exactly and a lot of church leaders and a lot say. of church members and the wife don't has feel a, safe. And the wife has a big huge part to play in that. You that can be too. incredibly yeah. hurt and still say, I love you. You could be incredibly hurt and say, I don't know how you did this to me, but I know you love me. And I know you didn't mean to hurt me like this. And listen, this is incredibly hurtful. What can we do? And, and to be able to say, I need to be able to understand. You need to be able to share. And I will not condemn you even when I'm hurt. So that he can open up. Because so many men are carrying years and years and years of hurt and shame if they have been making the wrong choices. And they need to be able to open it up. And, and a wife, it, she can't be the accountability partner. She can't be the police. But she has to be a safe listening ear side by side so that he knows he or a son can bring it out into the open. And they won't get the hammer down. They'll get the hand of help. We're, we're running out of time, but I think this is real important. We have a lot of women that watch our yeah. program, and, and maybe they've they just been overwhelmed by what we shared and everything, yeah. and they've never seen any signs or anything. They shouldn't go home and, and start <laughs> questioning their husband and say, well, have you ever done... How do they... No. How, what do they do with the information it they is just so, Oh, it is so critical, first of all, to realize... It can sound like, oh, my gosh, every man yeah. is addicted to porn. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, remember, most men, especially in the church, are trying to be honorable. They are trying to live in a difficult culture in a way that honors God and loves their wives. It's just that they're not always perfect mm -hmm. at that, and some become trapped. The most important thing that you can do for your husband, first of all, pray before you talk to him. If you find yourself freaking out, don't talk to him until you've prayed that through. And then be that listening voice, that best friend, to be able to say, I'm learning something. I didn't know this. What's it like for you yeah. out there? And then no matter what he says, stay calm. <laughs> you know, don't freak yeah. out so that he knows yeah. he can continue to share. There's so much information that you couldn't begin to cover. Dr. Phil wouldn't have time. Uh, Oprah's one hour couldn't cover it. And we certainly can't in this time frame, but they do try to cover it effectively in the book. We say thanks. Would you express thanks? Uh, Craig and, and uh, Santa, thank you. This is a, a gift from concerned uh, individuals who love their family. They love the family of God. They love all people. And I think it'll be a tremendous help. You can get it online or go to the bookstores. Uh, we'd be happy to send it to you. We're going to ask you to do something. Uh, if you, you you see a need like this, a problem, a challenge, oh, we want it corrected. So great if it could be corrected perfectly, and it can be, by the power of God. There is also a perfect cure for someone when they're hungry, and that is to have nourishment and food. And love provides that, and that's what we've been doing through our mission feeding programs for years, saving millions of lives, one life at a time. I want you to listen to Peter Pretorius. And I want you to listen to the question he's asking. And just know this. You are the one who can literally heal the hurt and the hearts. And you can do it perfectly and very simply. Just watch very prayerfully.
You know, last August when we were in this village, we asked a question, and that question was, how many of you have lost children to malnutrition? Have, have any of you mothers here ever lost a child because of malnutrition, of a lack of food? And if you've lost more than one, then show us how many you've lost by showing us how many fingers. And so many hands went up. I mean, it absolutely pierced me to the very bottom of my heart that so many people could have lost their children. One woman had lost seven children. I struggle even for words to be able to explain what feelings are in my heart. And I've never lost one of my kids. I've never lost one of my grandkids. And I just think if, if one of my precious little grandkids, if I lost them, and I couldn't actually do anything about it because I didn't have any food. But you know what, that has changed because we said we're gonna come back here with your help and we're gonna feed these kids. And look at the children now. They are no longer severely malnourished, no kid has been lost. And you know what, it's you who has made the difference. Yes, you who watched and said, you know what, this is not right. I can make a difference for those kids. I can feed a child, I can help. And you made the difference. That's our family, and I wish they could hear me shout, I love you, you beautiful children. Those beautiful expressions in their faces, just think about all the personality, all the potential in their lives. And to think that Peter went back where so many mothers indicated by holding up fingers how many of their children they had seen die, and nearly all of them uh, because of uh, starvation or either contaminated water. And now then to see them there happy feeding and getting those kids stable and, and seeing the smiles on their faces. Just think about this. This has happened according to the government's reporting to our mission workers and to Peter Pretorius. More than 10 million lives saved. But the interesting thing is that we have led more people to Christ in those same areas that we touched with feeding programs and drilling water wells to win many more than 10 million people to Christ who've come to Jesus. It's been a wonderful expression of love and the power of love manifested in a very visible fashion, but it's coming out of a heart of supernatural love that comes from God. Now, here's what we want you to do. We want you to give life to those children. We have located 400,000, and we have organized them in different regions to feed them where we can do it. We need trucks to carry the food. We're going to have to replace some trucks. And we have a real challenging need right now. We've got to replace 10-ton trucks, and we need eight of them in order to carry the food to all those different outreaches. And we're asking you to help us pay for those trucks. That's over $300,000. Now, I don't know if there's anyone watching who could do that, but it'd be fine. We'd go ahead and announce it. Somebody did it. And you never know what might happen, but could you give a few thousand dollars toward the truck? Here, think about this. For the hundreds of thousands of children that we're caring for, $30, $50, or $100 would enable us to feed three, five, or 10 children 
for several months. And we're asking you to help us be able to feed those children. Would you right now go to lifetoday.org, take your bank card with you, and use it just like a check, or if you want to dial the number there on the screen, and take your bank card like a check and make the gift God puts on your heart. We need some big help for those trucks. Father, I pray some people will really step up. And Lord, make the large gifts that we need to cover that more than $300,000. And Lord, to provide new bowls for the children. They need them in Jesus' name. You make the gift God puts on your heart. Remember, if you gave $100 for the next several months, you'll help us feed 10 children. Whatever level you can help, 30 or 50, whatever, it's going to do so much. We have some beautiful gifts to send you to help you in your spiritual growth, to feed you and nourish you spiritually, which we want to do. We want to help you. And we want to thank you so much from the bottom of our heart for helping those precious children and their families. Thank you for showing them the love of God. Thanks for making that call or going online. God bless you for doing it. Disease, malnutrition, starvation, all terrible human atrocities being faced every day by people living in remote and impoverished areas of Africa. And those at greatest risk are the children. Life's Mission Feeding Program is there, able to feed and care for over 400,000 children in crisis areas of Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. With previous food reserves gone and malnutrition levels in Angola rising due to increased food scarcity, we desperately need to replenish our supplies for our feeding programs immediately. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for the next three months. Also, please consider an additional gift toward our $316,000 goal to provide eight all-wheel drive trucks and 76,000 new bowls for the children. As our thank you, we'll send you this soft-covered journal Bible featuring the Gospels, Psalms, and Proverbs for your devotional time in the Word. With your gift of $100 or more to help feed 10 children, please request the complete Holy Bible Journal Edition, perfect for keeping notes and insights as you read and study. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed 100 children, you may request this beautifully framed canvas print of the Forest Chapel by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. You know, I hope many of you will ask for the beautiful painting by Thomas Kincaid, Forest Chapel. Make that gift of $1,000 or more or whatever you can do. If you'd like to have Shante and Craig's book, Through a Man's Eyes, Helping Women Understand the Visual Nature of Men so that we can be a healing factor together and find healing and freedom together, not condemnation, not judgmentalism, but real freedom from oftentimes a horrific trap that people are in and really be able to help our children and grandchildren. Great information and insight to help you. Would you say thanks to Shante and thanks to Craig? We appreciate that. Thanks for being on Life Today. We thank all of you for watching Life Today, for sharing Life Today. Remember, visit the stream, stream stream.org, for the news that matters and wisdom that comes from God.
Tomorrow, spend Wednesdays in the Word with Beth Moore and learn how God turns our pain into purpose as He turns our scars into His signatures. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.